is going on, everybody? P4C, the podcast. Thanks so much for choosing the show. We are here in the final week of the regular season, NFL football. Much of it is kind of decided. I know there's still some seeding, things to be determined, but we're now really close to Black Monday where coaches will be fired, coaches will be moving on to other teams, hiring cycle will begin. We'll hear about how it's totally unfair. These owners shouldn't be able to just hire however they want, even though this is America. That's how things work. And I can't wait for it because we're going to have some reputable head coaches. We're going to have some franchises that got good quarterbacks and our big markets. They're going to need head coaches and the carousel will begin and we'll potentially get some fresh faces and some familiar faces Big-time names like Tomlin, Harbaugh, Belichick, where are they going, and then, of course, the playoffs. So thanks so much for choosing the show. It is episode 126 of the podcast. So it was Jordan Schultz, the Bleacher Report reporter. He's kind of made himself like the Jeff Passan, as Passan is for baseball and ESPN, Adam Schefter does for ESPN, and uh, Chris Broussard did with the NBA for years. He's kind of made himself the NFL version for Bleacher Report where he breaks all the news on all the players, injuries, trades, uh, any NFL head coaching hires. The one that he has broke to us is that Belichick is going to meet with Robert Kraft after the season and see about their partnership going forward, him being the head coach. And I think Josina Anderson, a bunch of people, not just Schultz, have reported on this. And as we've gone deeper into the year and the Patriots' season has played out, they're obviously not a good team. But one thing is clear. Belichick still has his fastball on Sundays. Game planning, coaching in the actual game, making sure that clock management, right players are playing, schematics, that's all top-notch. But the question here is, does he still have his fastball with his staff? Is he hiring the right guys? Is he okay bringing in new blood, folks that he doesn't know? Personnel-wise, does he know how to draft? Does he know how to pay correctly in free agency? Those are all valid questions. And it makes me think, Gerard Mayo, being a defensive-minded head coach, being brought up in the New England system, both as a player and as a coach, are the Crafts really just going to turn to him when in all likelihood Mayo is just going to hire the same folks that Belichick would have on staff? And he's obviously going to run something pretty similar schematically since that's all he knows is Patriots defense. In that sense, I really think that the Patriots are better off just staying with Bill Belichick. It obviously hasn't been a great run the last five years, really last six years. But we're talking about a coach that really changed the game once the salary cap was instituted 15 years ago. There's never been a guy that's been able to coach at the level that he's coached at while also being the general manager and have that success. I'm definitely with the group here that says that he shouldn't be picking the players or he's got to bring in somebody else to advise him or even take over how transactions are made. Because right now, it's not working. He's still stuck in the high-efficiency, dink-and-dunk, 
intermediate passing game, trying to do death by a million paper cuts, and that just doesn't work anymore. Players aren't as they're, – they're, they're smart players, but they just don't have the discipline. They don't have the IQ football-wise to actually be disciplined in the route running and to have the toughness and mental fortitude to play football that way anymore. It's more bombs away football, a little bit more backyard. It's entertaining. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's not my taste, but you do have to adapt to what you are given from the college game. Belichick hasn't done that. I think it would be best if they were to keep him. And I think Kraft, at the end of the year, after he exhales, after he gets over that loss overseas in Germany, which was, I remember watching that at the time, Saturday morning, still not really into that, waking up at 8 a.m., football game's going, still haven't had my coffee. I usually tune in about the second quarter or so. But I saw the end of that game, and that's when I really thought this could be the nail in the coffin. But, like Belichick has done a million times, even when they were winning games, his team still fought hard, they were prepared, and they've been playing games very, very closely. Their defense is only giving up like 17 points a game. If they can get the quarterback position figured out, we'd be looking at this team a lot differently come next year. So, I think he stays in New England. I think there might be some contingencies on that, like you have to hire a new GM, or you have to give up that responsibility and or have someone advise you. But ultimately, I think Belichick remains the head coach for the Patriots, and I just don't really see him turning to any other franchise if it's not New England. Another coach that truly has done a lot of great things, and he's kind of in his second act now, that Flacco is out of the building and ironically is having a lot of success in Cleveland. John Harbaugh, I recall in that 2019 season, even the owner said, Steve Bishotti of Baltimore, that he considered moving on from John Harbaugh and looking for a new head coach. And I thought that was blasphemous at the time. I thought this guy's a Super Bowl winning head coach. Collectively, he knows how to manage a game. The Ravens are always in the playoffs. I understand it's been a couple down years with Big Throw Joe, but I, I just didn't like the move at the time. And there was rumors as well that the Broncos, who were about to fire Vance Joseph because he was a train wreck, they would have interest in trading for him. I thought at the time, why the heck would you trade a coach if there's other organizations that want him and are willing to give up draft picks or players? Good thing for Baltimore. They held on to him. He totally embraced the philosophy of Lamar Jackson and what he brings. And Lamar has defied all quarterback logic. There's never been a player like him capabilities-wise. We've seen Cam Newton. We've seen Mike Vick. But when talking about putting it all together, guy's a unique player. And clearly, teammates love him. They rally behind him. And when you combine the fact that the Ravens under Ozzie Newsome, he took what he learned from his days in Cleveland, being an executive during the Belichick days with the Browns. You look at their players. They're really good on the offensive and defensive lines. They've always had good tight ends. And then they figure out the wide receiver position. And they just churn and churn through players. They give them up. They receive compensatory picks. They draft again, and they just keep humming. And they're doing this in the AFC North, where the Bengals have Joe Burrow. Cleveland, obviously, is a talented team. And uh, overall, just a really competitive division in the last 15 years. 
And despite the fact that Mark Andrews goes down with a torn knee, that new running back Mitchell went down a couple weeks ago, they absolutely blew the door off on the 49ers on Christmas night. And I watched that game and I thought, wow, this team, despite these injuries, is doing a major, major culture flex on the rest of the NFL. And we could be looking up here and Baltimore just runs through the AFC if they continue to play like this. Because while I am not necessarily sold that they'll continue to do this, the AFC is up for grabs, as is the rest of the playoff uh, playoff outlook, playoff schedule in the NFC too. Because there's no dominant team. We've seen holes. We've seen some major deficiencies at every level with every team this year. It's going to come down to, as all coaches say, who is playing their best football come January, come playoff time. Can you get hot at the right time? And I think it's going to be a fascinating playoff. It's not like other years where you really see a team that's collectively over the course of the year held it all together. Everybody loses games. No team goes undefeated. Usually there's a two, three, four loss uh, first place seed, but they don't actually have major scars. Not this year. We've seen plenty of teams with major scars, but Baltimore, if we had to choose one, they've been it. And if they play like the last two weeks, then yeah, there'll be a tough out come playoff time. It's happening again. And I, I hate to hear it because Miss Taylor is even falling for it. She loves her Chicago Bears. She was jumping up and down last Sunday watching Chicago. It, it, it was a cool moment for the organization. I remember hearing the broadcast, the players on the sidelines were grinning from ear to ear, slapping backs, telling each other they loved them because they knew this could potentially be the last time they're all together at Soldier Field because major changes could be coming in Chicago. And this is what happens plenty of times with quarterbacks and the general public. They go on a run for a few weeks. They play better football. The team wins, and people start to talk themselves into the idea that someone like Justin Fields could be a long-term answer at quarterback. And it's as if the first few weeks of the season, first four to six weeks, didn't happen. It's as if 2022, when the Bears won three games, didn't happen. I have said ad nauseum, Justin Fields, I want him on my football team. I would actually ask, if I were Ryan Poles, if Justin Fields would switch positions. I would have him as a running back. I would have him as a wide receiver. I would have plays baked in anywhere from five to six per game for him to be the signal caller and take the snap and drop back and throw passes. Gadget plays. I want him on my team. He deserves to be in the NFL. That's why there's people that would trade for him, like in Atlanta or a Cleveland, I think, would use him as a Taysom Hill on steroids. But the reality of the situation, Justin Fields probably doesn't want to do that. He wants to be the starter. He wants to be number one. Ideally, this team drafts Caleb Williams. And I think he has a chance to be very underwhelming. I'm not sure upstairs Williams is... I, I don't think he doesn't like football. I think he definitely wants to play well and do well. But is he more into the State Farm commercials, the Wendy's? Is he more into what football brings him? I don't know if that whole ownership percentage rumor is actually true. But if it is, then we got major issues. 
I think there's enough talent there. I'm willing to take the risk. There is enough talent, but the guy definitely has to learn how to play football better. I think the Bears draft him. I think Chicago, if they're going to have this guy succeed, they need to hire Eric Bieniemy, a hard ass, an offensive coach who's been around great offensive football in in Kansas City with Mahomes and obviously a great mind in Andy Reid. I think those two would butt heads in a healthy way, and I think they could be really, really good. I think Bieniemy would teach Caleb Williams, this is how you manufacture series. This is how you really put points on the board and control the game. From what I've seen, Caleb Caleb Williams likes to go big play hunting. He likes to put the ball down the field, and he's damn good at it. But in the NFL, he's going to have to learn how to really be a surgeon as a quarterback, and I think Biennemi could do that. I think Justin Fields being a weapon, adding a wide receiver without changing anything on your roster with number one out wide, Things would be looking real sweet in Chicago if you just make one hire. The enemy head coach, Caleb Williams under center, Justin Fields out wide, and throw some money at DJ Moore. In Chicago, you would be humming offensively. So I didn't actually think it was too controversial given the fact that Russ wasn't really playing all that great. Russell Wilson's had an okay season statistically, but anyone that's actually watched Bronco games knows that Sean Payton has really put the handcuffs on Russ and asked him to do less, and that's why the interception totals, the turnover totals, those are down, and the touchdowns overall are in a solid spot. But then you go to the X app, and you see Ryan Clark throwing shade at Sean Payton, calling him a thug, saying that, Russell Wilson was a good soldier and not speaking out. And I just, I scratch my head and I wonder when this guy will ever stop thinking like a former player. I get it. Clark played for the Steelers and the Redskins and had a lot of success. And obviously you're going to default to that frame of mind, but your job is to look at everything from a bird's eye view. And Sean Payton waited and waited in the regular season, and then eventually changed Russell Wilson into the player that he wanted him to be. And now, contractually, when there's $39 million on the line, the organization steps in, asks the player to renegotiate, and after his refusal, still let him play in the football games six weeks later. And now they're finally saying, we're going to let you ride out the season on the bench doesn't mean that his career is over necessarily likely is but it's as if they don't understand some of these former players on tv that there's a contract involved and that the tape doesn't lie russell's not playing as well as he used to it's a really confounding thing i think he still has value but you cannot deny that he's not the same player that he once was there was no major injury there was no major loss of talent for whatever reason, Russell Wilson's not playing as well as he did in 2020 with the Seahawks when he almost won an MVP, if not for a, a serious injury. But there's no doubt that this is what you do from a business perspective. Your season is over. You're not making the playoffs. $39 million potentially on the hook for 2025. You go ahead. 
You start Jared Stidham. You see if he could be a backup or even a placeholder next year in 2024 if you decide Wilson's someone you don't want on your roster. Ryan Clark and all the other former players can hoot and holler all they want, but they're clearly blinded by their players' experience, and this is the right move for the Broncos. You know, one thing that I think is pretty neat is that we're seeing some coaches like the Eagles. I think they might be a little worried they have a problem on their hands with Nick Sirianni, which is he a disaster? No. Is he an excellent next best young offensive coach in the league? Yeah, I think we can kind of pump the brakes on that now that Philly is really creeping into the playoffs. Again, they're making the playoffs. He's a solid head coach. But one thing that I'm seeing in Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback and Todd Bowles in his second year as a head coach, again, Ravens doing well. Sean McDermott doing well up in Buffalo. Steelers still vying for a playoff chance here in Week 18. Can we stop thinking that defensive head coaches are unhirable? Tomlin, Harbaugh. Bowles, McDermott, they're all still humming. Belichick, guy's going to be sought after even if he splits from New England. There are a lot of coaches out there on the defensive side of the ball that need to be getting some recognition. And this just goes to show you, when you have a young head coach who loves to dial up the play sheet and you have a quarterback who's making $5 million a year like Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts was last year, it can actually be pretty easy to put together a pretty good team. You can win a lot of games. You might even go on a playoff run. But can you sustain that? You don't actually know if you have a head coach until he can go into his second act. Doug Peterson couldn't do it. Andy Reid could do it. He now has an expensive quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? They're going to the playoffs. They don't look like the same team, but they're going to figure it out, and they're going to be good for years to come, just like Belichick did, just like Tomlin did and is doing so we need to really just stop take a deep breath look at these Nick Sirianni's we'll be saying the same thing with Mike McDaniel I'm sure if they pay Tua and he's making 45 million a year a jump of 40 million dollars these head coaches you really don't know until the quarterback starts making money the head coach has to make hard decisions on the roster like I'm thinking about with McDaniel, how is he going to approach the uh, the discussion with Tyreek Hill when he loses a step? Is it all going to be hunky-dory, we love Tyreek? Or is he going to go the Sean McVay route and start cutting guys and trading guys? Because that's the one thing we've learned with McVay, who is obviously an offensive head coach, but that guy ain't afraid to cut your ass loose. Did it with Gurley. He did it with Cooks. He uh, obviously is okay without Odell. This guy is someone that knows how to develop players. That's what we got to see with Mike McDaniel and Sirianni. You got an expensive quarterback. Any quarterback of the 32 spots, if you are a starter, you are better than $5 million. So the Eagles are really going through it right now. And we're going to find out if their organization is as top-notch as it is supposedly said to be because that's all I heard last year was how great Jalen Hurts defied the odds and Nick Sirianni overcame that bad press conference. Now, 
They're starting to look like we thought they were. An overrated player and an overrated coach. And we'll see what January brings here in the playoffs. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Going to be keyed in on week 18. Next week we'll have playoffs. Can't wait. MLB is at a <laughs> complete standstill. There's a frozen market. I think the Yankees and the Cardinals need to both be looking at Blake Snell because he's out there for the taking. I think he's a little overrated despite winning two Cy Young awards. But it's crazy to think that the reigning Cy Young winner hasn't been signed and it's it's January 4th. But hopefully we get some MLB transactions. Until then, NFL football, the podcast, tell your friends about it. Love the grassroots and hearing about recommendations. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.